This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, all you betting adventurers. My name's James and welcome back to another episode of the 95 ADV podcast where we talk affordable and accessible adventure bike riding. With me as most weeks is Ross. Hello, James. How are you? Very good, mate. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. How's the house going? It's getting there, mate. I fixed a toilet today, which I'm very pr- proud of myself for. Good job. With um, your bike tools, I see. Well, this is it, but this is a, a useful segue into introducing today's episode, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Fixing stuff. Fixing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Sorry. Sorry. We've just edited out an expletive, so that's why we're giggling. Anyway, um, Adventure Motorcycle Maintenance. Yes. So this was brought up by uh, a listener who wrote in a couple of months ago and we've been meaning to do it for a while so we're gonna uh, cover that today but before that we're just gonna jump in with uh, a couple bits of news um i've heard on the grapevine can't say who from but rumor on the streets is that the honda crf 250l which our good friends matt and emma uh, go trail riding all the time they swear by them think they're brilliant bits of kit great value for money um, the rumor is that next year it will be going up to a 300 cc capacity. I may have heard this as well. Oh yeah, don't know where from, but yeah, I mean it would seem like a sensible move, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was any criticism, because I used to have a 250L Rally, which is effectively the same bike with some more plastic to break. If there was ever a criticism of it, it would probably be that the engine was a little bit gutless, which is why most people. Um, end up spending money on exhaust and um, ECU flash mods and tuning boxes and shortening gearings to try and get more acceleration and things. So a few extra horsepower wouldn't go amiss and a little bit more torque. Mm. Yeah, and we keep talking about going away, going up to Wales and doing the tet and stuff. And the the only draw of these bikes is is getting on the motorway. Anything past 60 miles an hour is just... It's pretty unpleasant. Mm. Yeah, so, especially if you shorten the gearing. Yeah, so, uh, you know... A little bit of extra capacity without chucking on too much weight, and and fully switchable ABS would be nice because mm. Matt and Emma have both pulled the fuses on their ABS, and yeah. they have no ABS ever, including on the road. Which I suppose when you've got knobbly tires on and stuff is a bit of a a pain when you are because Matt uses his to commute on and stuff yeah. as well, doesn't he? So that would be nice. Yeah, maybe just something a little bit more focused, but without breaking the bank. How about you? Any news? Nothing major. I think it's been floating around for a little while, but again, sticking with Honda. There's been more images of the new Africa Twin 800 concept. 
So if that comes to fruition, could we could see a true competitor to the Tenere 700, although being Honda, I dare say it will be a little bit more expensive. Mm. Well, seeing how good the T7 sold and how good continuously the, the Tiger 800, well, now 900 sells, um, Honda doesn't have an adventure bike in that. Sub-litre category. Yeah, and the and obviously the Africa Twin's gone up to 1,100 now, so it makes sense. With a price to match as well. Yeah, so it makes sense to push, bike. push that up and then bring something else in the middle. Yeah, if they can bring something out that's just more more focused certainly from like a sales perspective i think we're seeing the adventure sport version of the africa twin drastically outselling the non-adventure sport which is supposedly right okay a little bit more off-road focused but i think for a lot of people at 13 and a half grand or whatever it is and 1100 cc and 110 horsepower ish it's probably still a bit more than most people need Mm -hmm. so yeah i think there's definitely uh definitely room for a, a smaller more focused africa twin i'd like to see that yeah me too right let's jump in Let's go for it. So, Adventure Motorcycle Maintenance. Now, we, like I said, we touched on this briefly a few episodes ago. The general gist of it is your regular maintenance that you would do on a regular bike, you just do it more. And I suppose that's the one main rule when it comes to adventure bike, you know, especially when you're using those adventure bikes off-road, that kind of maintenance. But there are a few things that, in particular, and we think warrants special attention for when you're when you're taking your bike in the dirt quite regularly. So we're going to go over those today. Starting straight up is cleaning the bike. Now, I'll, I don't know about you, Russ, but I clean my bike every time I go out because every time I go out, I do go out trail riding. So it might not be the day I get back. Um, I haven't cleaned my bike <laughs> since the last Tet trip we did and I'm yeah. going away again at the weekend. Um, so I need to, but cleaning cleaning the bike down, not, not a, you know, I'm not talking about with a with a toothbrush and everything, but getting it washed off after every every muddy session is um for me essential because it, it's the best and, and only way really to actually get a good look at the bike and make sure that everything is as it seems yeah i definitely agree and like you said it's not about giving your bike a full valley and having it sparkling it's about getting the vast majority of the of the muck and the dirt and the grime off the bike so that you can actually assess it properly and, and get that dirt out of the kind of high wear areas that we're going to talk about so when I look at cleaning anything, bike-wise anyway, I look at basically a, like a three-step process. Okay. You, you, I'm always thinking, starting off, I'm literally cleaning it. I'm getting the dirt off the bike. Then I'm going to look at protecting the bike somehow, with some mm-hmm. sort of uh, some sort of water disperser or um, anti-rust treatment, something like that anyway, and different things for different parts of the bike. Um, so wash, protect, and then finally lubricate the bike because if you've degreased everything, the chances are you've also stripped out some valuable lubricant from the bike especially around the drivetrain so you want to make sure that you're re-lubricating so you're not um you haven't got bearings and um, o-rings and things running dry so yeah wash it protect it lubricate it yeah see i'm quite guilty i will i will do step one and three um i've been quite neglect when it comes to doing your acf 50 and such um which is probably something i should do because i imagine coating up your engine casings with acf 50 helps to to stop that sort of dirt staining that you get as well, if yeah, nothing, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is with anything like ACF50 or GT85 or Muckoff do something called Bike Protect and they, mm-hmm. they do something else called Mo94 or something. I don't oh, remember, yeah. there's something like that. Basically, most of these products fundamentally do a very similar job and some of them focus more on one thing than the other. So ACF50, it's like its massive selling point is the anti-rust side of things. WD40 is 
predominantly a water disperser and and a light lubricant and things like that but fundamentally most of these products do very similar jobs and what it's about is driving moisture out of areas you don't want it to be so there will be areas on the bike where even after you've washed it and towel dried it in even if maybe with an air compressor you're not going to get to every nook and cranny and especially electrical components you want to make sure there's no moisture hiding in there after you've washed the bike um, so some sort of water disperser will uh, will do a really good job of that and like yeah gt85 is seems to be a pretty pretty common one that most people use mm-hmm. um, another reason why i think it's better to be cleaning your bike when you get home as well is if you let all the mud dry on, it's more difficult to clean off with just a hose. And I'm I'm guilty of using a brush washer. You just got to be really careful. Yeah, usually not too bad, but you have got to be careful with with things, pivots and seals, and even you know, stickers and things. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely stickers. Yeah. yeah. You know, a pressure washer. If you've got a little bit of paint lifting on an engine, I've done this before. I had a little bit of paint just lifting off the engine on my old street triple, and I pressure washed it, and it just went. Whoosh, Oh, no. And just ripped like a massive flake of engine paint off the engine. So you got yeah, you've got to be got to be careful with them. And I I think for the most part, if you can just get in the habit of running a hose pipe over your bike when you get home, you shouldn't really need to use a pressure washer all that often. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the chain in a minute in 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 more detail. But with relubricating there, if you're going to be dirt riding, it's kind of important to make sure you're putting the right lube on the chain. You know, you can get that sort of gummy lube yeah. that a lot of people use. Like and waxy stuff. Yeah, and that is just That's awful, isn't awful, it? Awful, especially for, for dirt riding because that just gets that just gets caked up and it turns into a paste. So then you've got actually got an abrasive paste on your chain, you're which much, is going to weigh you're your much chain. Better off with no, no lube at all than that stuff, to mm-hmm. be honest. You're better off. You can run a chain completely dry, in theory. Well, um, Nick Sanders did when he rode his R1 through the desert. Did he? It was that evening we did last year with him at Bridge. Oh, and okay. someone asked him the question, "What? how did you run your chain? And he said, I'm just completely dry. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we're going we're gonna to run through individual items. So we're starting at the front of the bike and sort of working our way back. So it's a good routine for yourself to get into. A lot of people do neglect, and I think we're both completely guilty of this, the general maintenance. You, know, you look in your instruction manual and it will have a maintenance guide and it will say, before every ride, every 100 miles, every 500 miles. I mean, who goes and checks all these elements before every ride? I well, mean, this is the issue I take with a lot of these manuals is it's basically it's covering their own backsides mm-hmm. because they know, everybody knows, no one is checking their tyres properly between every single ride. It's not happening. Yeah. So if, if manufacturers could be honest, then they would lack those off a, <laughs> a lot more. But, you know, there's definitely... a there's definitely points to be taken from it. It's just yeah, exactly. And like you said, checking tires. Now, this is the first point on our list, and because it's the furthest front part of the bike and back and back. But it is almost worth checking your tires almost every ride, especially if you've been out trail riding. You know, it's been a bit more rough than say a gravel track, and it's taken you know a bit of a beating. You know, these are the points of contact with all that stones and rocks and everything as long as they're still hard and round it's fine well <laughs> yeah no but as soon as you're looking for things like tears aren't you and yeah like, um, nobble, nobbles on the tires that have got torn off and stuff and yeah and i've got a few of those on mine at, yeah. the, at the moment and nothing's nothing serious but it's things you've got to keep an eye out for because you know as soon as you've got a tear next to a nobble all that nobble needs is to grab grab something really hard for that tear to get a bit bigger and then a bit bigger and then then you rip a hole in your tire yeah exactly so as well as well as just that general wear 
which obviously you'll notice anyway when you go out. It's those little details as well. And especially if you're running tube tires as well, because you can get you can get like nails and stuff in the mm. tire and not have the tire deflate. If they've not punctured the tube, they could still have, have punctured the, the rubber and you don't really want that, that in there. Yeah, yeah. Think, but again, it's like another reason to wash your bike. It's it's not about like going over the tire like millimeter by millimeter. Oh, no, 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 no. And if you wash your bike, you, you're going to be spinning your wheels around. You're going to be having a quick look over your tires. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, tires are sat on your wheels. Again, your wheels along with your tires are the areas that are in contact with with rocks and, and everything. And they can get damaged and they will get damaged. Big thing is obviously on the rims, where the rims meet the meet the tire. If they get a dent or something in them and they get w- or warped, for example, yeah, yeah. you know you can lose your seal with the tire, which isn't good. You'll probably know if, if this has happened. But something you wouldn't necessarily notice, and I, I've not actually check this at all on my t7 but i will before i go where this this weekend is is your spokes because obviously on just looking at it you wouldn't know if a spoke is loose or not no you just gotta go around and give it give, give each one a little wiggle make sure it feels like it's yeah still and again it's not a matter of every trail ride you know coming no, with a no, spanner and, and literally every single spoke but if you find one that's literally loose though yeah it's worth just making it nipped up somewhere mm-hmm. yeah and the more you know the more you do off-road and especially heavy off-road the more they will loosen it's just it's just a fact of life and if you are off-roading with cast wheels then what are you doing well yeah i, I mean but I, no i mean I see a lot of people do some, li- some lighter lighter off-road stuff i mean the main issue with cast wheels is that if they break or crack it's just game over so hmm. if you do anything hard you know you, I, I wouldn't be doing anything difficult with with cast wheels but you might be doing some like sort well, of nothing fire roads and yeah gravel trails and stuff like that and just keep an eye out for yeah just like you said general dings and damage to the to the spokes on the even if it's a cast wheel or not yeah um so bearings then do you want to jump on with that yes yeah, so obviously uh, yeah all, all your wheels run on wheel bearings swing arm pivots have bearings um basically anything in the bike where one component needs to rotate in some way around another there's going to be a bearing in there and on all bikes they wear but off-road they wear quicker because mm. as we're going we're going to say this loads of times dirt and grime it's just you put it's like putting a sandpaper or grinding paste into that component so they're going to wear quicker you can reduce that by washing your bike regularly and um kind of making sure that yeah you just give them a quick squirt with some degreaser or some uh with some like water dispersal or something but you do want to be a little bit careful spraying acf 50 and things around your wheels just because you uh you don't want to get it anywhere near your bearings Brakes. Brakes. Yeah. Brakes. And I nearly said degreaser there, which I didn't mean to say. You don't want to use degreaser on your bearings, obviously, <laughs> because you want to keep the grease in them. Yeah. Because I, I had so, the, the head brace bearings start to go on my target. When yeah, I, that's when really it went common. Sale. Yeah. And you can kind of adjust them to an extent as well. You can get that done, but eventually there's just a part that, that's going to go and it's fairly inexpensive. Yeah. It's just something, again, that's going to wear down quicker. But yeah, like, like you said about, about brakes, so moving on to brakes then. Um, the main thing is is just going to be padware, um, you know, accelerated padware, and yeah, and and discware. Yeah, and the main reason behind that is is purely because you will get dust and dirt and sand and grit in between the pad and the disc, and then obviously you engage the brake, and and then you've got that scraping against the pad and the disc, so they will wear down quicker. Um, I, you noticed mine were a bit low. Or mm. My brother noticed mine were a bit low the other day, so um 87 yeah all yeah, right that's and that's that's been what a year 
Yeah, not that many miles though. No. Really, I mean, com- com- comparatively. Mm. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And and you can kind of rectify that. A, pro- a dedicated brake cleaner when you're cleaning the bike is, is a good idea. You want to be really careful with your brakes because if you get anything lubricant on it, um, it can be an absolute night- nightmare trying to bring pads and discs back to life mm-hmm. if you've got any kind of lubricant on them at all. But if you use a dedicated motorcycle disc brake cleaner you're going to be absolutely fine yeah and um and it's so easy as well yeah, i just literally spray just it, let it evaporate and yeah yeah done. i just put as part of while the bike's drying yeah we'll just go around with the brake cleaner and just spray within spraying the calipers yeah and i think the thing with brake cleaner i've always found is that because it's safe on your brakes although it can be it's quite harsh i wouldn't use it on my paintwork mm-hmm. but you can kind of fairly safely use it anywhere else if you've got like a real build-up of grime brake cleaner can be a really good way of getting rid of built-up horrible Mm-hmm. sticky mess on bikes yeah i agree um moving up the bike then so your, your forks yeah main thing you're gonna find on forks is the seals going isn't it yeah um and that's normally either through putting your forks through too much abuse and effort so um blowing through the seals because you've bottomed them out mm-hmm. one too many times dirt and grime getting into the seal and eventually breaking the damaging the bushings inside and the fork seals inside yeah but it's fairly easy to spot right yeah if it's not pouring oil down along your forks but basically the shiny the shiny bit sit on the bike put the front brake on and compress the forks then bring it back up wipe your finger over over the shiny metal bit and if there's the grease on oil on there then you see all the brake change them yeah easy to spot and then um and pretty easy to fix as well yeah or just give it to your dealer well yeah Um, um, the other thing as well, which is something that I didn't notice until I'd read my T7 manual, is that you also get a build-up of gas in your cartridges, yeah. on forks. And again, that comes through particularly heavy off-road riding. Yeah. And that um, obviously stiffens them up. So all you've got to do is get the bike on some kind of stand where the front wheel's up in the air. There's... So you could just leave it up onto the side stand or something even. Yeah. And then there's... Um, there's just uh, some little screw holes, kind of like where your where your adjusters are at the top mm. of the forks. Yeah, you just turn them to release the gas. See, on my WR, I have a button. Oh, do you? Yeah, a lot oh, of enduro nice. bikes will have a little button on top of the forks. You just press that, and you hear it go. Yeah. It lets that lets that air out. So the idea is you can do it as you ride. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Having to stop and get the toolkit out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite useful. And the other thing with forks is just kind of visually check them over. Um, you're kind of inner stanchions, so the sleeve, the, the bit that slides in that shiny bit you were talking about, just check that over because um, if you get any nicks or gouges on that, that's one thing that is definitely going to rip a, a fork seal. Yeah, so and keep, they can cor- they'll corrode fast. And they'll corrode and then that makes it worse. And so if that happens, keep an eye on it. There are sort of ways of repairing them to an extent, a bit of DIY, but you know, um, you might need to replace it, but it's probably that better that than you know letting it go, go rusty and horrible. Um, Muckoff do a product. I don't know. I'm sure there's other brands that do it, but something called Silicon Shine. Oh yeah, which is brilliant for forks. So it's part of my cleaning. I just spray that over the those inner fork stanchions, and that helps it just glide really easily through the seal. Oh, I've never thought of of using that. that in yeah, that way. yeah, no, it works. Works well, and you use it on your rear shock and everything as well. Mm-hmm. Anything that you you've got one thing sliding into another, then yep. um, some Silicon Shine works well <laughs> on your bike. <laughs> Okay, uh, working up the forks then. So we've got the radiator now. Again, if you're riding off road, the chances are you've got a radiator guard. We're teaching you all to suck eggs here. But uh, even if you do, not infallible, are they? No, and you still, you know, 
they still can damage and it's worth just checking every now and then especially you know that's such a valuable component mm. it doesn't matter what the we- what the weather is outside if it's roasting hot or if it's the middle of winter your bike is going to get hot quickly it needs a radiator. when you're trail riding it needs that radiator another thing as well even if the radiator is absolutely fine it can quite easily cake up in in dust dirt mud especially if it you've got big sloppy you know, sloppy mud even through a course of a day's riding you can cake that up which obviously severely limits the airflow and can cause your bike to overheat yeah so just something to bear in mind actually while you're out riding especially if you're going away you know you get to the end it's of your day it's not hard to rinse your radiator off is it no <laughs> find a puddle ride through it exactly yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and then you've got your air filter next back on the bike so it's basically sort of the the lungs of the bike really isn't it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so important. you've got your suck squeeze bang blow and you've got um you've got your fuel you've got your air and you've got your spark yeah so you need the air and you want it to be clean and you want it to be clean exactly and free flowing yeah and most adventure bikes will come with a paper air filter my t7 does if you bought your t7 in australia you were lucky because you got given a foam air filter in your t7 because it's very dusty and dry in australia you know the aussies are going to use their bikes properly exactly (laughs) yeah exactly so um the chances are your your adventure bike will probably have a paper air filter now it's not the worst thing in the world but it just means it's not cleanable it has to be replaced and it does tend to clog up quite quickly Mm. so swapping out for a foam one a lot of them actually say that you actually gain you know you can gain a a horsepower or so um by changing it and letting letting the engine flow a bit bit more freely but the main benefit is that you can is that you can wash it well a it's it catches more dirt and dust and b you can take it out and wash it and then keep that airflow as clean and free-flowing as possible you can even get pre-filters as well which is basically just another bit of foam that sticks on the front of the the sort of air snorkel yeah yeah. um if you want depending on how dry and dusty the location is yeah so sort of british summer really is when it when yeah, really matters, when when it? the ground's hard and dusty. Is, yeah, is... we've been out like that, haven't we, a couple of times, and it, mm-hmm. it's pretty unpleasant to... When you breathe through your mouth, it's unpleasant, and then you think, well, your bike's breathing exactly the same air as you yeah, are. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're coughing and spluttering, <laughs> so is your bike. Mm. So moving up the bike then, we're still at the front, um, is, is handlebars. Now, what can you do to handlebars? They don't need maintenance, James. They don't need maintenance, but they need observation. Why? <laughs> because occasionally there is a <laughs> slight possibility that your bike might destabilize become horizontal and become horizontal and or in your case sometimes inverted <laughs> and <laughs> and if slash when that happens one of the first well the first thing to hit the floor is usually the end of your handlebars yeah and um, they're big old levers yeah and this is why we swear by having decent handguards, bark busters or acerbis, acerbis. You say it however you like. They're not sponsoring us. A churbis. Yeah. If you um if you want to sponsor us then we'll say your name right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and James will ditch his barkbusters. Yeah. And as Barkbusters jumps in. There you go. Oh, yeah. Offers that's on the, the table. <laughs> that's it, exactly. <laughs> but no, you, yeah, you can, it's pretty easy to bend your handlebars. I think Matt done it on his crf has yeah he? especially if your bars are kind of cheap steel ones that a lot of bikes will come equipped with mm. as sort of oem equipment yeah um, so i've never bent a set of bars so the tiger had good bars and the t7's got good bars the t7's been dropped a lot of times so you've knocked them out of alignment with but the i've knocked them out of alignment exactly so there's two things 
to watch out for there. They actually bar themselves bending and, and then just them being knocked out of alignment with the yoke and the forks, which is an easy fix. Um, On the go, you've just got to wedge the bike up, the, the front wheel up against a tree or something and, and then push it. Give it what then, for. Yeah. And that, and that does the trick. So uh, there is also a way of, you know, sometimes if it builds up a tension in the yoke, sometimes just loosening the bolts can sort of pop it back in place. But most of the time it's just, it's literally just bent out of line and you just got to bend it back. So, yeah. but obviously can affect your riding. Well, Usually yeah. you won't notice until you're back on the road. Yeah, that's true. You know, riding home in the dual carriage rain, suddenly one arm's like a few inches <laughs> 10 out. 10 degrees <laughs> out of line, yeah. Yeah. You're wondering why one arm's aching and the other one's fine. Yeah. But, but I guess you're then you're just checking over the bike for if you especially if you if you know you've had a crash, but even not because rocks are flicking up, just checking over the bike, the engine casings and everything, making sure there's no significant damage. Mm. Last thing you want to do is crack an engine casing and find there's an oil weep, and then that leads to the yeah something catastrophic. So, you're better off catching it early and yeah. So perfect example here and case study is my brother's Africa twin, which I can't remember if we talked about last week. So he didn't. He hasn't got an aftermarket sump guard on the bike. It's just the standard one, which is quite flimsy. Is it plastic or metal? It is metal, but right. it's it's just quite... It, is, it doesn't really cover anything. It doesn't mm. even cover the headers properly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping he's actually bought one. By I'll now. I'll probably text him after this because we're, go- <laughs> we're going on, on Thursday and he needs one. Uh, but what happened with him is that he got stones throughout the course of the, the Tet trip. He got rocks and stones into into the gap between the sump guard and the sump which is which is fine in itself but then at some point hit the sump on something hard which oh, right. caused the stones to to bash the actual sump and and then it got a hairline crack and That's it leaked oil a great idea so um luckily it's just a very very hairline crack and he's he's dry welding it he's dry welding it well it's just the the sort of stuff that you Oh, right. Sort of gunk that apparently it, it sets harder than metal or you something. You see a bike but... for sale on auto traded by Tommy <laughs> to avoid it like the plague. But apparently it's going to be absolutely fine. So mm. he would just let the oil completely drain out of it. Then he's he's repairing it. So, but something to to bear in mind. The first thing I did when I got back was I checked on. I took my sunplate off and checked did everything. And, and yeah, obviously it's completely fine. The I'm re- actually really impressed with the Yamaha one because it's I've, quite nice. That one, I've smashed the bottom of that on some rocks. Yeah, and it's and it's absolutely fine but just something to bear in mind and again even things like the bolts of like the sun plate because mm. you can you can bash them yeah and bash them out of alignment or bash the head off or mm. and if it's started to damage you want to get that off and replace instead yeah, of leave it because it... Be, yeah before it gets too far gone yeah and then you, you create a huge job for yourself i mean it's a bit of a pattern emerging really is catching things early mm-hmm. um, and not letting them get away from you yeah yeah definitely so while we're down with the engine with the engine then so the clutch well your area of expertise my area of expertise the man who can burn them out and replace them on the trail yeah but the thing <laughs> is like you know joking aside the clutch on an adventure bike that's being used off-road is having a blooming tough life and it is not going to last oh, as long as the same clutch is on a bike that's only being ridden on the road. Mm. You know, for, I think for most people, a clutch is not really viewed as a consumable part. You know, you're going to do 10, 20,000, 30,000 miles on your adventure bike. You'd like to think your clutch would last that long on the road. Yeah. Off-road, it's a slightly different story. Um, and it's obviously going to vary depending on how you ride your bike and the capacity obviously if you're going for a small 250 chance like you're using your clutch a lot less other than to change gear yeah although then they generally come with cheaper softer clutches i mean i've known people wear them out on 250 l's 
because the clutch that comes with the Honda CRF250L is not the best clutch in the world. Mm. And um, I suppose the more inexperienced you are, the more you will be using the clutch to yeah, slow down. That's it. And also the less, you know, the more you'll be using it because... It's not really using it. I don't think it's slowing down. I think it's just getting going. I think people are tentative and they mm. don't well, the, get off the clutch yeah. quick enough. I mean, the first time I went out myself when I burnt out the clutch in the Tiger mm. on that Manhattan Trail all along the flat, I had the clutch in halfway. I was in still first gear it? and I was slipping the clutch yeah, for my speed yeah, because yeah. I was taught that you use your clutch to change your speed when you were learning to ride when it's 30 degrees and you're riding along flat and you're not using any brake whatsoever yeah using the clutch to control your speed is probably not the best idea and then and then that really hot clutch trying to slip it up a hill climb i think that's your recipe i'm I'm with you actually because i know i remember when i did my rider training them saying exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing to me use your clutch to control your speed blah blah I'm saying this isn't gonna is this not gonna burn it out and they said oh no because it's a wet clutch and I think there's probably some some truth in that mm-hmm. that most motorcycles have a wet clutch and and they're very good at dissipating their heat and you're not going to but the difference between rider training in a car park and mm. trying to get up Manhattan hill climb are yeah two very, and very sitting on things. it yeah constantly will yeah and that's going to heat it up and then the second you do something really drastic with it is when is when something will happen that, and that's the other thing it, it's going to wear quicker generally but then it's also very easy for even experienced riders to 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 just slip it so much and just burn it out yeah you know in sand in in whatever so but that's not really a maintenance thing because you can't really it's not maintenance you but really you can so but a lot of the time when you notice your clutch wearing you know mm-hmm. your your clutch biting point will, will, will change on the on the clutch lever and you can adjust a lot of that out just just simply by adjusting the cables mm. And you, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've definitely experienced this, where, that you will sometimes, especially as the clutch starts to wear, mm. you will notice it slipping more when it gets hot. Yep. And then it will cool back down. And it's fine again. On the way home and, and it'll be fine again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, my, I, know, I mean, I know the clutch on my WR is on the way out and sometimes it slips a bit and other times it's absolutely fine. Mm. And it all depends on what we've been doing, how I've been riding and, and things. So um, Yeah, yeah. So... There's not a lot in the middle, really. I mean, maybe uh, something quickly to, to touch on would be under your seat. It's surprising how mucky and dusty yeah. it can be under there. Um, so, like things like your your battery connections. This is this is low down, but just whenever you do ha- happen to go under the seat, just just check them because they are exposed, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you do get a lot of gunk under there. Mm. So it's worth just just keeping an eye on it. I wouldn't say go in and again with a toothbrush every six months and clean it all out because there's no point because yeah, the next time you get out it'll be filthy again. yeah but yeah, yeah just give it a, give it get the leaves and twigs out of there yeah <laughs> would be good <laughs> but i suppose then the probably the, the one of the highest wear areas of of any bike and certainly in a bench bike is and um, we we mentioned it at the start again but it's the chain and sprockets yeah i mean this is something that's made up of thousands well not thousands but you know <laughs> tens of little tiny o-rings mm-hmm. little tiny moving parts all covered in dirt and grime and rubbing against one another. Yep. And they get filthy. And they wear. And if they're not looked after, they then snap. <laughs> exactly. Which I, luckily, I've never had happen. No, nor me. Um, Somehow. But it can and will happen. And I suppose if you've listened to our modifications episode, then, and especially if you're on a bigger bike, uh, you might have changed the sprocket, front or rear. Yep. It can be quite daunting for some people to, to look at your chain and sprockets and, and even things like adjusting it. I don't like adjusting my chain because, you know, you've got to undo 
the axle and then you've got to somehow magically adjust perfectly both oh, sides of it. That is just you do it and then invariably when you tighten it back up it's not what you thought it was going to be. No. Remember that blooming Taffy Dackel? I was trying to do it at 10 p.m. <laughs> and I was just losing my mind with it because every time I got it to the right tension and retightened it and it was too tight. So you loosen it off and then you do it again and then you tighten it and it's too loose. And after you've done that five times, you just start to lose your cool a little bit yeah. with the bike. But it is. But it is important. It is super important. And it's better yeah. to be too loose than to be, to be too, too tight. I agree. Um, and. <laughs> You can say in all situations again. In all situations. Um, no, it is though, because a, a chain that's too tight can wreck your gearbox. Mm-hmm. And, all, and, and, you know, the gear selector rod and everything. It, it's an absolute nightmare. Too loose. Or the, snap. Or snap, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The worst that can happen with a loose chain is it comes off, which is really not great. No, and if it gets caught up in the front sprocket, it can you, be a you could, pain in the ass. Yeah. But I think that is a lesser of two evils. Yeah, so I will always air on the side of caution and allow my chain especially on an off-road bike to just be a little bit too loose such as the suspensions moving that chain is loosening and tightening the whole time yeah because you might think that okay the swing arm's moving so it's moving around a you know a circumference of a circle but that point where the swing arm's pivoting is not the same point where the chain is pivoting yeah exactly. so it's not going to be at the same tension no at least throughout the, the bike it tends to get tighter and you know you you get a bike and it's side sound and you feel there's an inch of slack and then suddenly you sit on the bike and it's like a banjo string <laughs> you know you don't want your banjo string to snap <laughs> nope I don't get it what's funny nothing no it's just something I saw on, on my mm. phone earlier today um, but yeah yeah so check check your chain, chain tension um, different bikes have different means of adjusting it if you've got a BMW R1200GS ignore this part of the conversation <laughs> I was, I was about to be like, Ross, there's no chain on the, <laughs> on the BMW. Don't yeah, sound yeah. like an idiot. Um, I think that's it, really. I suppose the last thing is is license plate. Make sure you wipe off that mug, guys. <laughs> Why? No, keep the a, best thing. Keep is it clean. It? You don't want to. You don't want to get pulled over and told off having no, a money them plate. Yeah, that's fine. No, I'm kidding. Just go for it. Anonymity is key. Exactly. Perfect excuse for that. Exactly. All the grumpy ramblers. Do you know, I did watch a video the other day that was interesting about talking about the law. 44 Teeth did a video about wheeling and they had um, like a motorcycle lawyer, basically, someone that specialised in okay. in this. And they were talking to them about, um, about wheeling and, uh, you know, what the consequences of it was. And I've always just been like, you know, I've realised that on the road it's not a good idea and that it's a pretty surefire way to lose your license is mm-hmm. doing wheelies on the road. What I'd never considered was that byways are still the road and therefore wheeling on a byway carries exactly the same consequence if you're, if you're reported. And Which and I find, because I've seen, I've seen loads of, uh, I think even Adventure Bike Riders done articles on it where they've taught you how to wheelie yeah. because you do, even on a byway, if you come across an obstacle. Ah, well, this was interesting. So he had a case study whereby that was the one exception was if you could prove that you had to wheelie in order to get over an obstacle in the road and you could prove that you had done it in a controlled manner, fine. But if you're just wheeling through puddles because it looks cool, it's not really any different to the to doing it on the road. And I'd not, I just never really considered that. I was always like, oh, yeah, huh. but you, you're not on the road. Surely yeah, wheelies yeah. are fine. You know, and we all like to do one for the camera and... So if there's a, if you're saying if there's a, a branch on the road, you're allowed to wheelie over it. 
Well, I presume if you could prove that you could do it safely, and the I'm only not way sure to... I'd want to, if well, I came across a branch right. from the road, I'm not sure. I'd I don't think many people want to pop. Whereas on a on a dirt bike, that is a legitimate way to get yeah, over yeah, an obstacle, yeah, yeah. and when you're green laning, that is going to happen. Um, but the, the thing he said was that the wheelie was done at about three miles an hour. The the wheel was popped up to exactly the height of the log he was trying to get over, and it was like it was perfect riding technique wait so what was the problem with it who was like someone reported him so someone, oh, someone well, this was him. Okay. someone had put a log over the trail and then filmed him <laughs> <laughs> to try it's some like you know some landowner didn't like the fact that they had a byway going near their house but anyway he was like that was the one example of it but actually when we're all green laning mm-hmm. and we're putting videos up on instagram and youtube and things should be a little bit careful because well have you ever seen me pull a wheelie on of on or off road in my entire life no, that's on true. purpose no that's that's true and all of the ones that i've done on instagram were done on private land so there you go so that's fine um that will do that will do i am just gonna say apologies i got an email from a chap and he said love the podcast but last week's episode was like impossible to listen to because he was he listens to it in his van and I'm in the driver's side speaker and you're in the passenger side speaker. Oh, okay. So I'm really loud and he couldn't hear you. The problem yeah, is... Yeah, I can imagine that would be a problem. Well, the problem is that when I'm editing, I split the tracks so that I come out of my, the right ear and you come out of the left ear. Yeah. So I can listen to what's going on on our individual tracks, like in the background, so that yeah, like yeah. when you're blowing your nose, I can edit that out while I'm talking. Mm. What I then have to do is then mix them back so that it's equal. Yes. So that we both come out equally out of left and right, but I forgot to do that last week. Oh, I see. So I apologize. And I will re re upload that, but I just haven't yet. So I will not do that this week or well, or any subsequent. We'll grab for the feedback though. Because yeah. that is the sort of stuff that otherwise would go completely unnoticed. Yeah, and I would forget and then just and then wonder why our listenership subscribe. is. Exactly. So thank you, Van Man. Thank you, Van Man. Um what have you got on? What have you got coming up? Are you We've got Yamaha ride a next weekend. Again? Yeah, so my bike is at work. I've spoken to Daniel today, yeah. who is running the workshop at the moment. Mm-hmm. And he, basically, I don't like to pay for things to be done. <laughs> so I'm lending him some motocross kit and buying the workshop KFC for my bike to have a new tyre put on, new inner tube, an MOT, which it's now due because I've had it a year, and a service. Ideal. And then it'll be good to go. And then I'm going to go to Plymouth, I can't remember what it's called, there's a motocross, indoor motocross track mm-hmm. in Plymouth that a couple of friends have just been to and they said it's fantastic. So I'm going to oh, take cool. it there. You should bring the Tenere. That'd be amazing. Can you go on? Can you take adventure bikes? <laughs> yeah, why not? Amazing. I would um, love to. And then next weekend, yeah. we are going to the Yamaha motocross experience in Wiltshire. Speaking of motocross, do you think I should bring my UFO kit and see if I can yes. log it to anyone? <laughs> no, no one will want it there, but you should wear it. No, I've got my really nice Alpine Stars Perfect. Kit. And you're going to try and get your T7 around the track at Upaven as well, right? Do you reckon they'd let me? Where's well, a Yamaha. Surely they'll let me. Yeah, it'd be fine. But we're, me and my brother are going to ride the Tet up. So, to Salisbury. Yeah, so we're going to join at Crediton, so just north of Exeter, all the way up. Because it's a bit wiggly. You know, it goes all the way up to Bath, basically. And then back down to Upaven and then meet you. Yeah, we're riding and on then the we're going to camp in the field. Yeah, you're the, there all weekend, but I, yeah. we're riding on the Sunday. So. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So it should be a uh, should be a good weekend, but we'll probably end up doing. A, I imagine the next podcast we do will probably be on the tech app and the experience. I would have thought. Yep. Certainly, I certainly want to do one on the on the experience and see, you know, a bit of a mini review of it and mm. whether we think it's worth it. 
Do you think we should bring our kit and do it there? No, no. it's a terrible idea. Be awful. I, I immediately retract that. But it'd be fun. It'd be really fun. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, we are then going to Wales. So oh, we might have to get a new guest host for that one. Why? Well, you could get Archie in. Oh, I could. I keep meaning to get Archie in. So um, he'd enjoy it. Our friend James Archie. Not Archie. Archie. He's, yeah, but he's a great photographer. He does photography for Bridge. He does photography for Lex Tech. Lex Tech. Uh, and he used mm. to be he used to work for Motorcycle News. So he's got a wealth of knowledge behind him. He is joining us. We're riding Wednesday to Saturday up through the Welsh Tet to do this Rally Moto event. Uh, and then James is going to meet us on the Friday night and then ride the Saturday on the Tet, which... And this a, is a roadmap rally, isn't it? Yeah. Should be quite funny. It should be great fun. But, well, it's 500 kilometres in 12 hours, which doesn't sound like a lot. but no, it's, that's a lot. It's a mix of road and on-road. And if and road literally and on-road. 500 kilometres by, to convert to miles, divided by 12 hours, you have to average 25 yeah, that miles right. an hour. It's 310 miles, so... That is a lot. Mm. When you're riding on and off-road. And navigating with a with Tupperware a box. Exactly. And a roll of paper. <laughs> and then you've got Archie with all his camera equipment. Oh, he's he will want us. He is such a faff. He used to do a lot of mountain biking with with James Archibald. He is unbelievable. He is the king of faff, and then he's going to have cameras with him. I mean, I'm excited for the Saturday because it'll be a bit of tech riding, which basically means mm. it'll be a photo shoot for me and my brother to look yeah, good that's with our true. bikes. Yeah, but yeah, I think he's he's he's. You have to ban him from having he's cameras. Just out. No, because we will not. Other than like stopping for lunch and coffee, mm. which as in like sandwiches out of our backpack as opposed to going into a nice yeah. hipster cafe we are gonna have to be riding non-stop all day because finishers get a t-shirt and a sticker so i paid 95 quid for this event that's an expensive t-shirt i'm getting my t-shirt and i'm getting my sticker <laughs> oh she didn't even get a sticker if you don't finish no <laughs> of course good. you don't why would you adorn your bike with a well, a non-finishers know, people like to say it's the taking part that counts and all that mm-hmm. rubbish no, and it's all, not all about the competition yeah, so. I mean, I don't think you should get one for finishing. I think only the winner <laughs> should get a sticker. <laughs> Become very sought after. Anyway, I think that's it. Let's keep your bikes up. clean. Mm-hmm. Look after them, mm-hmm. and they'll look after you. Yep, that was great. What a wonderful sign off. Um, but we are heading into winter, so it, things are going to get muckier. They're going to get less dustier. So less dustier. Less there's dustier. A, there's a sense. But the, we're going to get muckier. We're going to get dirtier, and there's going to be sludge and rocks and whatever. So. So yeah, keep keep them keep them safe, keep them clean. Same for yourselves. We will see you for next episode. You can follow us along. I'm on Instagram at nine to five adv, and I'm at Devonshire underscore biker. So I'll obviously be uh, Instagramming my Tet trip, and we'll both be Instagramming the motocross weekend. Um, and then if you go down and do your Plymouth thing, there'll be content on there as yeah, well. Absolutely. Um if you want to email us for any reason whatsoever, then nine to five ADV at gmail.com is the address to go to. If you want to support the show in any way, then we've got a couple of affiliate affiliate links down in the episode description. So we've got Sports Bike Shop, we've got Revzilla if you're in the US and we've got Amazon as well. So if you want to buy anything from any of those, if you want to click on one of those links, it'll take you straight through. Buy whatever you want. It doesn't cost you any more, but we get a small kickback which helps the payback the podcast equipment fund which is still going 10 <laughs> the way through so far but yeah um that'll do it we'll see you all next time keep adventuring folks speak to you soon cheers bye 
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 